for decades. He's been the king of Memphis. It's good to be king of your own little town. You want to see the king? You think anybody would pay to come down and see a sawed-off runt, bug-eyed Bill Dundee? No, they come to see me, baby. King of them all, right here it is, baby. The greatest wrestler that ever lived and ever will step into a ring. You're looking at him, and I am the champion. And you may be familiar with his work in WWE, too. I'll show you who the real king of the World Wrestling Federation is. It's the most electrifying move. It's Mark's Entertainment today. Oh, the people that are For 50 years, he's been known all over the world as one of wrestling's biggest stars. And now, he's decided to share all of his favorite stories from his 50 years in wrestling with you. Tell me a story. Why don't you put your false teeth in backward and eat yourself to death? (laughs) Oh, that's one of my favorites. This is The Jerry Lawler Show. Welcome to The Jerry Lawler Show on our previous episode. The King and Sean spoke with downtown Bruno And it was such a fun conversation that it couldn't be constrained to just one part. Had to be two parts. So here's part two of Sean the King and Bruno right now. You talked about how we usually, uh, you know, we're usually going and talking about somebody dying. And you're you're on your way right now to uh, Bob Armstrong's funeral. And I just heard just the other day, and I think we were talking about it. uh, I don't know if you, you knew it very much, but, man, he was real instrumental in me getting started. Well, not, I mean, I've worked with him a lot when I just was really getting started. I mean, I was, I was a job guy that they put in there against, against guys like Don and Al Green and the Von Brauners and Tojo and, and the, you remember Dr. Ken Ramey and the interns? Oh, yeah, we talked about that, you know, the other night at home. Yeah. I didn't know him. I think I met him at like a Legends deal or something. He was, a bit before my time, but yeah, I certainly remember him. Yeah, yeah, it was Jim Starr and Tom Andrews were the interns, and of course, uh, Tom Andrews passed away just a couple of days ago, and and he was he was another really cool guy, real real nice guy. You would think that I mean I remember that from from back in the day. A lot of guys when when you were just a, a young jobber like me, uh, just getting started. All those those veterans didn't always treat you that great. You just like you were talking. Right. And uh, but I can always remember that Tom Andrews and they were the they were the big they were the big top guys in in Memphis at the time. Dr. Ken Ramey, the right. intern. And uh, but Tom Andrews was really really a nice guy and and treated everybody, especially me, very well. You know, so it's a uh, right. good to hear about guys like that. I mean, there's a lot of good guys in our business. You know, for every prick, there's a, there's a good guy. It's like any other business. I'm sure if you talk to people in the fire department. or warehouse or whatever same thing you know right our thing is we're just stuck with people almost like we're doing time with them <laughs> when you're in a territory you sometimes eight nine ten months with the same people every day and yeah i guess you get on each other's nerves sometimes there's always a prick but you know for every piece of crap like gene anderson or vader there's a good guy you know like bullet bob or the fellows you were just talking about so you know it's easy yeah, now. Yeah. well listen uh, Sean's got some questions he wants to ask you. Tell us about now. You you came on up to Memphis and then and then uh, Sean's been watching some some matches on YouTube that you were involved in, and he's got some questions to ask you. But what what year did you start in in Memphis? Oh, I, it was either eighty four or eighty five, I think. 
I'm not. I'm, I'm the world's worst at that. But I, right around me, in there. Me too. I can't remember dates worth of crap. But anyway, I was right. I was doing booking then, right? And you, uh, I think you cut. Well, you and I actually met in in Hawaii. Yeah, we met in '83 in Hawaii, exactly. Right. And uh, we were down there working for Leah Maivia, which was the Rock's, what was she, the Rock's grandmother? Grandmother, correct. Peter Maivia's yeah. widow. Yeah. And and how did that happen? Did I ask you for you to be my manager in a match down there or what? Yeah, I was down there, <clears throat> excuse me, I was down there managing the local talent they had me with. And you had watched, I guess you were looking through the curtain. No, I don't know if there was a monitor in a dress room. I don't remember. You watched me uh, manage whoever I was managing. You you told uh, Larry Hanami, you know, Lars Anderson, who was the booker. Yeah. You said, uh, let, uh, why don't you let that Bruno guy manage me? You were working with a guy named Superfly Tui. And, you know, I guess you like to, you know, like we do in Memphis, the manager getting involved, getting the referee, and, you know, trip the guy, you know, whatever. And you had me do all that. And uh, at a good time, I wanted to come to Memphis. And you said, well, you know, Jimmy Hart, uh, we got him there, and, you know, we don't have a – we got Tojo also, and we just don't have a spot for a third guy right now. But stay in touch, and, uh, you know, when spot comes open, you know, we'll give you the spot. And that's that's why I started calling 50 times a day. So as I said, yeah, I was going to say, boy, 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 somebody. Boy, did you, boy, did you stay in touch, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget Randy Hales. Randy Hales and I, we were working out of this little – office i had a little one of those little a nice little uh i don't know a little house shed or whatever you want to call it it was more than just a storage shed it was actually like a a little one-room house it had an air conditioner in it and windows and all this kind of stuff and carpet on the floor and everything and that was that was in my backyard and uh that's where we that's what i used as an office and booking out of and randy hale's was working over there, coming over there every week and and helping me. And I will never forget the, the famous words I told Randy Hales. I said, oh, my gosh, this, this downtown Bruno guy is calling me so much. He's driving us crazy. I said, you know what? Let's go. Let's go ahead and bring him in. This is the exact thing I told Randy. I said, let's go. Ahead and bring, <laughs> let's go ahead and bring the guy in and we'll, you know, we'll let him work here a week or two weeks or whatever. And then I'll just give him his notice. And then at least, you know, we'll say we gave him a shot and, and, and he won't bother us anymore. So that was the intention when we brought you in. I was, I guess that was kind of a prick thing to do, as you call it, but, but that was, the, <laughs> that was what we had in, in mind for you at that time. Cause I literally didn't think we had a spot for you, you know, so I was just going to bring you in for a couple of weeks so that you quit calling us and quit driving us crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened? Well, you came in and you, I don't know, you endeared yourself to everybody. And then, uh, you know, I, I, I saw immediately that you were, you were somebody that was going to be very useful in more than one way in the territory. I mean, you know, where you were, you were not only a very good manager, a very good talker. Uh, you were just, you were just a helpful guy. You know, you would, you could, you could, like you say, you could do it all. You had done it all beforehand, helping put up the rings, uh, uh, refereeing, managing everything. You know, you were just a jack of all trades. Well, I appreciate it. It means a lot coming from you. And that's what I tried to do. You know, I didn't want to just come in and get a paycheck. I just wanted to, I wanted to earn my spot. So 
Now I've been in the business 41 years. That's only, other than little things on the side, that's something I've ever done. I've been in the business my whole life, basically. Well, this is going to be, yeah, this is, this show in Jackson, it'll be a kind of a nice reunion for you. You've been around almost as long as I have in the business. And, a lot, well, of course, a lot of these guys, there's some guys, Lex Luger I had on the podcast last week we had on, and um, he, he had done some homework, and he was telling me, he said, Jerry, you're, you know, it's pretty cool that uh, you've been in the business, an in-ring career of 50 years. He said, but you're really just a rookie. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I looked it up, and you're just now breaking into the top ten. And I said, what are you, the, the top ten, there's ten more people than me that's been in the business longer than me on an in-ring career? And he said, yeah, and he started naming them off. He said, Terry Funk had been in 52 years. He was number nine. Mill Mascaris and Adrian Street. You remember exotic Adrian Street? Yeah, I knew him real well. He may, you know what? He may be at Bob Armstrong's funeral as well. Oh yeah, because he lives down that way. He just might, yeah. Yeah, he and Mill Mascaris both both were in the business fifty three years. Dory Funk Jr., who's going to be there at the the show in Jackson, he's been in fifty four years. Then after that was the fabulous Mula. She had a fifty five year career. And then guess who, guess, you'll never believe this. Guess who also had a 55-year career? Uh, Bill Dundee? You're right. You did guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bill Superstar Dundee at 55 years. And then Bob Armstrong. Bob Armstrong had 57-year in-ring career. Wow. Yeah. Right after Bob Armstrong, wow. right after Bob Armstrong was Luthez. At 58 years, and then a guy that you and I both loved uh, had a 60-year career, Gypsy Joe. Wow. Gypsy Joe, 60-year in-ring career. And the only person that was number one on the list that had 70 years, 70-year in-ring career was guess who? Well, I already know because you had mentioned it to me at home the other day, so I'm not going to say it. Okay, well, May Young. May right. seventy years uh, in the ring. Wow, That's unbelievable! Can you get a take a? Well, what about getting back to Gypsy Joe? Oh my God, was Gypsy Joe stiff in the ring? Oh my God, he chopped me so hard one time I had his handprint on my back. Well, you know that's that's one of the reasons you're right, and 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 he didn't. But you know what? He didn't mind. He wanted you to dish it right back at him. I mean, he loved right. it. That's one of the reasons that Gypsy Joe. Had such an, a long and, and 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 crazy in-ring career was because he would go to Japan a lot, wrestled in Japan probably more often than he did here in the states, and he would just let those guys beat the hell out of him. I mean, right. at every match, just hit him over the head with chairs, tables, everything you can think of, and he, it was like a he was like a masochist or something. He just loved the he just loved for guys to, to beat him up. Uh, it, it was right. Crazy. But you're right. And he came back in one more run in Memphis as El Grande Pistolero in 80, 1988, if you remember. Yeah, he sure did. Well, yep. I, I told everybody, I promise you, without Gypsy Joe, I would have never been interested in or even think about being a wrestler myself because I was such a fan of Gypsy Joe and Frank Martinez as the Blue Infernos in the, right. in the in the late 60s when me and my dad were going to the 
Ellis Auditorium to watch the matches, sitting in, sitting up in box seats there, $2.50 for a ticket to get in, and, and we was watching the Blue Infernos go against Jackie Fargo and Herb Welch, and, and I just loved those guys. And I didn't even find out till later on after I got in that Gypsy Joe was one of the Blue Infernos. Oh, okay. Yeah, so anyway, wow. Gypsy Joe, yeah. 60 years, he was, he was amazing. And then May Young at 70 years yeah. so. So uh, I, I, that makes me feel – actually, when he told me that list, it made me feel young again. It made me feel, oh, yeah, well, there you go. I'm just a kid compared to all these other names on there. Right. Right. <laughs> I, I was going to say, King, you got to take a power bomb off a stage through a table like she did to uh, to really match her output. <laughs> yeah. Remember that? Now, there's no way I could match Mae Young on, on the stuff that she did. Uh, she, she, was, she was just amazing. She would do – uh, she was she was game for anything. So we had and I had so much fun uh, up there doing the commentating with Mula and May Young. I mean that you talk about great joke materials and oh, funny stuff. Bring back um, all the Helen Hart jokes. Oh yeah, that, that was that was all that stuff with with Mula and May Young. It was it was a, just a lot of fun with them. I, I'll never forget the Thanksgiving the Thanksgiving show that we had and. Uh, they were sitting behind me and Jr. dressed like pilgrims. <laughs> and I, I said something about those weren't costumes; those were the those were their original dresses that they wore. <laughs> oh right. <laughs> anyway, at the end of the thing, I turned around and 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 Mula and May Young both hit me right in the face with a big lemon pie. It was great. <laughs> but anyway, Bruno, then you came you came to Memphis. We brought you in, and you stayed, and you you. You had some great things. What what was one of the matches, Sean, that you were you were telling me you were watching today? He was involved in. Well, I, I purposely went back and tried to find something with you two. So I was watching. Uh, it was a TV match with you against Boy Tony, and oh. uh, Bruno managing him. And uh, Bruno was hot because there was like a Bruno was a weasel hat that they were selling. I think that uh, he didn't like, and then you got out of the ring and, and punched him in the face. And then, like I told you, you won with a sunset flip. Which I, oh. I really do not remember a lot of those in your career. Uh, no, not not to actually win the match with. No, that's that's crazy. But uh, yeah, so Bruno, you managed you managed Boy Tony there for a while. Who's some of the you you had an incredible list of guys that you managed in Memphis. Who were some of them? Well, I'll tell you, what, one guy that don't get near enough credit uh, outside of our area that sure that I used to love working with was Phil Hickerson. Oh, I yeah. mean, we had we had the best chemistry in the world, and he could look at me. And I knew what he wanted me to do. Like he'd look at me and just barely, you know, glance down his foot, which meant when the baby face was coming to my side to trip him. I mean, we just had that, that, that ESP with each other. You know, I could just I knew what he wanted every right. time. We had so much fun together, and we worked that deal. With I had that loaded boot, and we would beat all the different people with the loaded boot. You know, I would take it, hit my heel on the apron or whatever, and it was like it loaded the boot. And that was, we we got so much heat with that. I mean, heat where people were trying to come over the barricades, getting in the ring and everything. And we were, I mean, me and Hickerson, at one point, we were hotter than a $2 pistol. I, I, I used to love it. I loved it. Oh, I was going to say, was he as funny and entertaining in real life as he was on TV? <laughs> Yes. Oh, yeah, we had a great time. We had a ball. Yeah, we used to travel together and drink beer together. and just, Oh, we had a blast. Yes, yeah, so we, we we got along fantastic. 
I used to stay at his house. Bruno, now that you mentioned, Phil Hickerson is going to be there in Jackson as well. Oh, fantastic. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, Phil's going to be there. And you're right. He was such a – he was – he was sort of like a dream machine in the fact that you he would go along with anything. You could change his gimmick, remember? And you could put him with anybody. Of course, he, he was he was great with Dennis Condry. Then they had him with Al Green. Uh, then they had him. Remember when he was? Uh, what was the What was he when he was with Tojo? P Y. Oh yeah, P Y P Y Chung. P Y Chuhai. Chuhai, that's right. That's yeah, right. P Y Chuhai. We put him with Tojo. Uh, but yeah, man, Phil was just—he uh, was just an amazing talent. So much fun. Who who else did you manage? Uh, well, the Rock and Roll RPMs, Mike Davis and oh. Tommy Lane. Of course, Mike—we lost him about wow, it's hard, like close to twenty years ago. Yeah, or maybe more than twenty years ago. He died young, like at forty-eight or something like that. Uh, yeah. Heart attack on Christmas. I managed them. Uh, I managed uh, Cactus Jack when he came to Memphis. Uh, oh, yeah. I was his manager. Bubba and Goliath were uh, a memorable duo. Yeah, Bubba and Goliath. I met Sid uh, oh. in Memphis. Um, oh, my gosh. There were so many different ones. Uh, uh, what was that guy? Man Mountain Link. Man yes. Him. Yes. Yes. Uh, boy, I haven't seen him in years. Uh, I met Bob Armstrong when he had his last run in Memphis as a, as a villain, you know, as a heel. I was his manager. So, a, a bunch of different. Oh my gosh, I can't even think. But yeah, Tony Falk uh, was uh, the guy that I really enjoyed managing. I had a good time with him. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I was, Tony was underrated too. Yeah, he was. Well, Tony's going to be there in Jackson too. I know. I can't wait to see him too. I mean, it's going to be great to see these guys. That's what I. That's so what far, I was, that's what I was telling Bert Prentice. I'm afraid that. Uh, I'm going to spend all my time just walking around to the tables like the fans and get a picture made with all of these guys that I hadn't seen in so long. Right, right. I was, yeah, I can't, yeah, I can't wait. Now what you told me Hickerson's going to be there, I'm really excited about that. Oh, yeah. I mean, we had so much fun together. He and I must have, I think he and I started out about the same time, and Phil and I were in, were in uh, Dyersburg, if you remember – Bruno, that little old, I don't even know, I don't think it was an American Legion building. I don't know what it was, some kind of little old building right off the highway there. There was a Dairy Queen next to it, but then this little old, uh, that just had one door going in and that no exit out the back or anything. You just had one front door, and you went past the, as soon as you went in, you went past the uh, uh, concession stand and where you buy your ticket, and then you turned right and went down like a little hall, and then, boom, it opened up out, and there was the, there was the building with all the all the seats and, and, and then the ring right in the middle. And the two little, really small dressing rooms were right, right over to your left uh, between the between where the all the fans sat and the front door. And I'll never forget one time. Oh, my gosh. One time me and Sam Bassett, it was so hot in there in the summertime. They didn't have air conditioning and they just had this big old fan uh, that was that was like up on a up on a post or something that you could move around and they when once all the fans got in, they'd move that fan right in where it was between the front door and shooting right out into the, where all the fans were. And I'll never forget one time Sam, Sam ribbed me into getting this can of mace that the police had given us. And, uh, and I sprayed that mace into the back of that fan and it blew it, all out. <laughs> it blew it all out into the fans out there. 
and and they had to empty out the whole building. I actually got, I think I got fired or suspended for a few days by Nick Goulas after that. But my memory with Phil Hickerson was we were there one night getting ready to wrestle, and Phil was wearing a mask, and uh, and 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 it was gotten down to whoever he was wrestling. If 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 Phil lost, he would have to unmask. He would have to take his mask off, right? So that that's that's what it said, you know. Uh, if I forget what is what, who is wrestling as, but if he if he got beat, he had to take the mask off. And so we're sitting there in the dressing room, we're getting ready for his match, and and I said, Phil, you know it'd be funny. He said, I said what? He said, I said I'm looking in his bag, and he had like three or four different color masks, right, that he would wear on different nights. And I said, what if you put on two masks? Right. I said, what if you wore another you wore a mask underneath a mask? And then at the end of the night, when you got pinned and you stand in the ring and you, you know, you say, no, I don't want to take it off. And then finally you pull the mask off, but you still got another mask on. Right. I said, that would piss everybody off so bad. And he said, oh, my gosh, that's so funny. I'll do that. And I said, of course, you know, you'll have to pull the other one off. But it'd be a great hot spot to do that. Right. He said, right. He said, that's great. So he wears the, he goes out there, he works with two masks on. And, and so then at the end of the night, he loses the match. He gets up and he does it perfectly. Standing in the ring, he says, all right, here he goes. And he pulls that mask off and he still got the other one underneath it. And I'm telling you, those fans there in Dyersburg, they, it was, you know, it was like they went crazy. The place was packed, sold out. And Phil, of course, to make it seem better, he gets out of the ring and acts like he's going back to the dressing room without taking the other mask off, right? So right. then he was going to get back in and take off. Well, as soon as he steps out of the ring and starts walking back to the dressing room, a little old man that probably like 70 years old or whatever was sitting on the front row and he's had and he had crutches and he grabbed his crutch and he swung it like a baseball bat and hit, he hit Phil right in the nose and broke Phil's nose. It was so bad. It was plastered. You know, as you, you know, when you look at him now today, it's still his nose. That's not right. And that's that's where he got his nose broken that night on that on that gimmick where he wouldn't take off the two masks. It was crazy. Wow. <laughs> he didn't that's have, back in the good old days. Oh, yeah. He didn't have to take off the second mask because he had to go to the hospital with the mask on. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's what the big. That's when the business was. Well, that wasn't fun to get your nose broke. That's when the business was fun, though, when people were so into it. Oh yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that's real heat. That's real heat. Remember the match? Where was it? Up in Covington or somewhere that the people were so into it when you were you were refereeing. Tell the story. You were refereeing, and uh, oh gosh, the guy that I'd loaned my cowboy jacket to. Oh, Gaylord. <laughs> Jeff Gaylord. Oh, my gosh. We oh, my God. We did this gimmick. Out. You tell the story, but I'll tell you. We took Jeff Gaylord, and he you know, he had wrestled with Jeff Gaylord. And then we said, we, we let, instead of giving him his notice, let's change his gimmick up or something, right? So all of a sudden, right. I, had, I had this real nice leather, suede leather cowboy-looking jacket that had the fringe hanging down from the sleeves and the fringe uh, uh, tassel looking stuff hanging down from it. And, uh, so anyway, we, I gave him that jacket and he wore that jacket and he got him a cowboy hat and he wore like a mask, you know, like people are wearing now, just like, or like an outlaw, 
And I guess that may be what we call him, outlaw Jeff Gaylord or something. And then he, he got a gun belt, like with a real gun that would that he would put blanks in, and it's like a six-shooter, and he would pull that thing out before the match and, and, and shoot that gun a couple of times with blanks in it. But it would be really loud, and it was really an impressive-looking gimmick, right? So anyway, I'm wrestling, right. I'm wrestling him one night in, in Covington, and you're the referee, and what happened? Well... It was the match hadn't started yet. You know, we did this thing, you know, the referee gives the instructions. Okay, Lawler, okay, outlaw, no hair pulling, no, no, you know, throwing over the top rope, whatever. So I pat Lawler down, pat, make sure he doesn't have any forward objects, whatever, and I pat Gaylord down. So, okay, ring the bell. Gaylord took off the big jacket while I was just talking about it. <laughs> he had the two six guns and two bandoleros across his chest. Looked like that dumb uh, Poncho Villa. <laughs> Right. With about 200 I mean, bullets. 200 bullets in it. And, and, and Lawler goes, pistols. well, I guess finding a chain would be out of the question. <laughs> <laughs> and we we, we laughed the whole match. We just was giggling and laughing. You couldn't see Gaylord. He had that mask on. But Lawler was laughing. I was. We couldn't even keep a straight face the whole match. We got back in the dressing room. Buddy Wayne was the promoter. He'd come in. Bruno, what's wrong with you? You were laughing through the whole match. You're going to kill the town. What was you doing laughing? I said, Jesus Christ, Lawler was laughing too. Why don't you yell at him? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was one of my favorite things of all time. Bruno, the guy pulls off his jacket after Bruno had patted us down. And there's two six, two six shooters and uh, 200 bullets. And I just said, damn, I guess finding the chain would have been out of the question. <laughs> 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 we still laugh about that to this day, but we literally, we literally laughed throughout that entire 15-minute match. I could never. Oh, my God. <laughs> and i never forget another another story that, that ranks way up there, too. Years ago, a guy named David Dominic was involved with uh, Tanglewood, I think it was called, where they had uh, developmentally, you know, Down syndrome people and, you know, developmentally disabled people. Yeah. And he was involved in that in that uh, organization. So one night he, you know, had us have the matches over there for the, just for the in-house people, you know, they're, you know, a bunch of the sweetest people you ever met in your life. They were just, you know, developmentally disabled. You know, I don't think it's proper to use the word retarded. Yeah. There were mentally handicapped and physically handicapped. And that's what it was. It was the, uh, something center, the something center. Yeah. I forget the name. It's over off of Tanglewood. Yeah. near Cooper and Young. I forget the name of it. Yeah. But we had the matches there one night. So Buddy Wayne brought the ring over. And I refereed. Lawler was there. I think Dundee. Uh, you know, a bunch of different, you know, guys. Just we did it for the for the group, you know. So at the end of the night, the David Dominic had set up pizza. It had like umpteen pizza delivered for the whole, everybody, the wrestlers, the, the you know, the staff and, the you know, the, Individuals that were, you know, part of that program, whatever. So yeah, they, they, they were, and there were, there were like a couple hundred people. Yeah, 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 about a yeah, a couple hundred. So, buddy, why went up? Yeah, let me have a slice. And the lady behind the counter says, "I have to check with your sponsor. Make sure don't want to interfere with your medication." And he said, <laughs> "What?" <laughs> and David Dominic said, "Run over! No, no, that's the promoter." <laughs> <laughs> Buddy White had a head the size of a gasoline can and had a tongue that people would always be sticking out. He kind of looked like he was 
should have been taken back to his room. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Buddy, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, David Dominic saved him. All he wanted was some pizza. <laughs> this is the Jerry Lawler Show. Bruno, you know, a lot of people, of course, a, a lot of people that are listening to this podcast that don't necessarily know the history of Memphis wrestling because they weren't around Memphis. They're all over the country and everything. But then, of course, you you then went when you left Memphis, you went on up to WWE and you became Harvey Whippleman. Right. You managed, you managed a ton of people as Harvey Whippleman. Tell us the list of people that you managed up there. But then also you became you became the you won the women's championship at one time up there. Right. Right. Probably the worst match in the history of the business. <laughs> well, but you had, you had some. Ma- that's what I was going to get at. Before you you had some matches with uh, with women down in Memphis before you went to WWE, right? Right. I wrestled uh, Miss Texas many times. I wrestled uh, Stacy the, the Cat many times. Uh, Emily Arthur many times. Oh my God, Emily Arthur! Now that was the first girl I wrestled in Memphis. She was like a friend. I don't know if she was a girlfriend or just a friend or whatever of Jerry Bryant. It was another right. great guy. Right. But uh, I had to wrestle Emily Arthur. We took her out of the audience. And I guess Jerry Bryant trained her or whatever. But the way we did it was we she was just a member of the audience, you know, as far as anybody knew. That I said, I'll challenge any, anybody. And I, she challenged me, and we, we wrestled. So I'll never forget, we were in Bible one night, and I was supposed to go over but she beat me. She had a butt. She got on top of me, put both her knees in my shoulder sockets, and I couldn't kick out. Oh, my. <laughs> and, and Calhoun said, kick out. I said, I can't, you know, whatever. So everybody was ribbing me about it. So the next night we were in Nashville. And if you remember in Nashville, the dress rooms were separate. She was on the other side, and I was on the bad guy's side. Right, right. So everybody had gassed my head up. And said, you know what? You get out there and you shoot on her. You grab her and take her down. You pin her. You tell her that you don't mess up the finish no more. You get in there and you grab her and you shoot on her. You beat her. They had my Tojo and, and Sato and, uh, and Hickerson. Everybody had my head all gassed up. You better get out there. And, so Calhoun usually didn't referee in Nashville, but he did that night. Right. For some reason, I don't know. Jimmy Jett couldn't be there. I don't know. But anyway, we get out there and I'm grabbing her and trying to beat her. Calhoun said, fuck, we're no just take her and pin her and beat her. I said, fuck, Jerry, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't beat her. I did everything I could. I thought I said, the hell it, let's just work. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know if she thought I was just working smoker. I just, oh, but I couldn't get her off her feet. <laughs> but we, but you know what? Anytime you can sell out the curtain, that's good. Everybody in the... <laughs> company was looking from both sides yeah you're right wait for me to beat her but i couldn't yeah Yeah. gosh that was so fun you know and and when we think back on that bruno that was what year would that have been 85 i guess maybe yeah Yeah, in other words we were you were kind of doing a takeoff on what we had done with andy kaufman before right Uh, right right you were challenging women out of the audience, and that's where all of a sudden we had her sitting out in the audience, and she came up, and and that's who you started fighting. But then, like you said, you had matches with uh, Stacy, the Cat, and and, uh, and Miss Texas. Oh my gosh, Miss Texas, she was she was tough, wasn't she? 
Oh my God, I used to tell her, I used to use this expression, but I got no choice, I have to tell the truth. <laughs> I would tell her, Jesus Christ, Jackson, the reason I got in the business because it's faith. <laughs> I said, why the hell are you beating the shit out of me? Are you mad at me? I mean, she was, oh my God. The, the, the thing is, when it hurts, you can't even sell it properly. Right. So, you know, so it's like, oh, please quit beating me up. What have I done to you? Oh my God. That's why I was working with Wazo McDaniels or something. <laughs> right. So listen, as, and once you got into, uh, WWE as Harvey Whippleman, who all did you manage up, the, up in WWE? A ton of them people, right? Um, yeah, Big Bully Busenick, who's dead now. Warlord, good guy. Uh, Sid, great guy. Uh, Bertha Faye, she's dead. Uh, well done, they're both dead. John Gonzalez, he's dead. Jesus. Adam Baum, I think he's in prison. Oh, my God, what the hell kind of track record do I have? I bet <laughs> Mua, she's dead. Hmm. Oh, my God, you sure you want me to come to Jackson? Yeah, well, yeah, wait just a minute. Let's rethink this a second. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, my God. You got to send me the ring with somebody you don't like. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I can't believe that. Almost everybody that man is up there is either in prison or dead. Wow. Wow. Kamala, too. I didn't really stop to think about that. Oh, Kamala. I managed him, and he just died a month ago or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Man. I remember when, uh, I remember when, uh, Somebody, I don't remember who it was that died. Somebody died, and we were all at the funeral up in, in Memphis, and uh, Buddy Wayne said to Mr. Coffey, well, Lionel, how, how old are you now? We're sitting there at the funeral home. He goes, 79 or whatever he was. Buddy Wayne says, why don't you just take a chair in the corner? No sense you going home. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember when we went to Buddy Wayne's funeral. There was a lot of people there. And I remember I said to Dave Brown, who I was sitting next to at the funeral, I says, well, Dave, pretty good house here, huh? He says, yeah, he got a pretty good house. I said, well, you know what? You know our business, when you give the people something they want to see, they'll come out. Oh. <laughs> yeah. People are, people are pretty brutal at funerals, aren't they? The wrestlers are. Yes. <laughs> right. But that's how we are. Nobody outside of our business would understand that. That's how we do. Yeah, that's true. You know? Yep. yep. Mm -hmm. Last funeral I was at was uh, Eddie Marlins. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was, yep. That was a sad one. Because uh, Randy Hales was there. And, uh, last time I seen Little Man, he, Jerry Jarrett, he was there, of course. You know you know what's funny? Today, as we're taping this uh, podcast, today is Jerry Jarrett's birthday. Oh, my God. I'll have to get him buzz this evening. Yeah, I think he's, I think he may be, what did I see? 78? Would, would he be that old? I think that's it's right. Possible. Yes, yeah, quite possible. Wow. I didn't know he was that much wow. older. Wow. Wow. Well, we'll say happy birthday to Jerry Jarrett. I hope he's listening. Yes. Happy birthday, Jerry. Absolutely. Hey, Bruno, I just thought of, you know what the name of that place was where all the, all the handicapped people were? The Skinner Center. That's right. That's right. Exactly. That's exactly right. <laughs> Ever have one of those things? Exactly where you, right. You just sit after, after you were saying that a while ago, that's all I could think about. What the heck was the name of that building? <laughs> like, that's important. But yeah, it was the Skinner Center. And, oh, but uh, I'm like you too. When I can't think of something that drives me nuts. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you thought of that. But yeah, it was it was a good time. David put on those shows for those people, and they just loved it. You know, they loved all of us. And you yeah. know, afterwards, we just all mingled with them together. You know, no uh, yeah, and, and David, David or whatever. David, you know, David Dominic was involved because of his sister. His sister was uh, was part of that. Was a patient there. And, and right, right. passed away too, Carolyn Dominic. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. Yes. Well, we've talked uh, about so a lot many of people, people we love. A lot of people that have passed away. You're right. So, uh, before, maybe we better end this, Bruno, before you uh, pass away while you're driving down there. You've been driving this whole time, right? Yeah, I'm on Highway 78. I'm damn near to Birmingham now. Jeez, man. Yeah. You haven't you haven't cursed out. You hadn't had any road rage while you were driving, or had to curse at any. No, other... I, no. I'm just relaxing. Had a nice trip. It's uh, 93 degrees. I'm looking on the dashboard. I'm going to stop in Birmingham and put some gas in the rent a car. Keep going. That's awesome. Well, Bruno, yeah, I'm just uh, listen, enjoying this, and you really helped me pass the trip. Well, that's great, and you you've helped us. This, and we're going to have to. Come back, get you back on here because man, we could we could talk for not just days, we could talk for weeks or months about all the experiences that you had between Memphis and and all the all the territories you work, and then all the stuff up there. And I mean, we didn't really even touch on any any stories from the WWE, so we'll we'll have you back and and talk about some of those stories, okay? Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to do it one night from home when I'm drinking beer. Cause I'll really, uh, be, you know, I can give some good lectures when I'm. But I'm drinking that beer. You can loosen up a little bit when you're uh, drinking beer, huh? <laughs> yeah, I'd love to tell some stories when I'm drinking beer. I can tell. Oh my God, I can tell some stories. <laughs> okay, all right. We'll we'll make a day to that, Bruno. But in the meantime, listen. Thank you so much. Tell everybody down there at the uh, at the funeral of, of Bob Armstrong that we said hello and uh, and and we're thinking about him. And and Bruno, thank you so much. And we'll 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 have you back on again soon. Okay. I love it. I can't wait, and I'll be in touch, and I'll call you off the air when I get home and let you know who I was at the at the funeral and whatnot. Okay, sounds great, Bruno. Thanks again, buddy. Thank All right, you. thanks, guys. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. Well, no, that was awesome. Uh, downtown Bruno, and and like you said, Sean, we're gonna have to get him back on with these when he's drinking beer because it'll be probably one of the funniest and uh, uh, probably most downloaded podcast that we've ever done <laughs> you get bruno just a little bit tipsy he really he'll really cut loose i guarantee you yeah we just got started i still got to ask him about uh did you see when the rock called him the greatest of all time oh yeah we didn't even get into that uh, listen we'll have him on in a couple weeks if that's okay with you okay thank you sean thank you everybody for listening and uh king and twitter is at jerry lawler all right well thank you so much and we'll talk to everybody next week